Shalom, listeners. Welcome to Israel Nation Fascination. <laughs> uh, David and I were talking about this earlier, and we were both kind of dumbfounded how we could get 48 episodes into our show, and David's going to share something interesting about the number 48 here, without mentioning this topic, really, like in any kind of a focused way. Uh, it, it actually amazes me that, that it's taken this long. So we're going to talk today about the House of Israel and Mormonism. And it's interesting that as a state, which is a separate subject, actually, as a state, Israel was formed in 1948. Da-da-da! Episode 48, 1948. Synchronicity. I'm thinking of the police song. Yes. So, yes. Um, how, how cool is that? That's interesting, isn't it? Um, so, how about we jump into LDS Church in the News? Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about some some headlines here. I'm going to just read across a few headlines rather than going deeply into any single article because there's three uh, that are just at the top here that I thought were kind of interesting. Robert Kirby, who's the humorist columnist, humor columnist at uh, in the Salt Lake Tribune, title of the article, The Everlasting Word Isn't So Everlasting as the New LDS Handbook Shows. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually going to very quickly skim into a couple examples that he gives as to why he says that. So for those who don't know, uh, the LDS Church has what they call the handbooks. Normally there was two, and I don't know if that's still the case. I need to find these in PDF and download them. Uh, normally there's two, one that's more readily available, one that's kind of held in reserve for the bishop and the stake president, and it talks about, you know, how they're supposed to handle certain things, whatever. They're always hidden from the church uh, membership, which is kind of interesting and fucked up. But uh, he's talking about that. Then the next article, coronavirus outbreak, church to close temples, quarantine missionaries. <laughs> and I thought this was funny because one of the doctrines of the church that's taught very clearly, especially like in the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, is that missionaries, part of the of the blessing they get for sacrificing and serving as a missionary is they will be protected from from all of all harm and so forth. And we've seen many cases where that hasn't been true. And so here's the church admitting again, we need to respond in fear because you know, missionaries really aren't protected. <laughs> well, so. because they really aren't righteous enough. It's their fault. Oh, that's right, David. Thank you for clarifying that. Mm -hmm. I always forget that part. And then the third thing I thought was funny to just shoot, well, not funny necessarily, to shoot through uh, uh, from a title perspective, McKenna Denson. So remember, she's the one that came out, and, and we mentioned her a couple times in some episodes, that said she was abused at the MTC it says McKenna Denson's fraud case against the LDS Church has been referred for settlement. So there you go. She's going to get some money. Ah, so uh, like I said, really quickly on the Robert Kirby article about changes in the handbook, I'm going to run through here really fast. So, so here's some changes. The term membership council has replaced disciplinary council which replaced Court of Love, which replaced Church Court. 
What the hell? <laughs> He's talking about the history of that. Membership uh, council. So now yeah. we're going to throw bring this guy in with the idea that the whole membership is going to judge you, not just the yeah, bishop's right. council. Yeah, this whatever. isn't disciplinary. This is just a membership council. Uh, uh, excommunication is now referred to as, quote, withdrawal of membership. <laughs> yes. That and, makes it a lot less stingy. Yeah. <laughs> stingy. And then disfellowship is now called formal membership restrictions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, tied to the words. You see, those words yeah. are used in Catholicism, for instance. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Mennonites, the uh-huh. Amish, and so they don't want to sound like like them, do they? Whatever. No, I don't know. No, I well, you know, spe- yeah, that's kind of funny, isn't it? You would have expected that back in the day when there was a Catholic priest as part of the temple film. <laughs> you would have expected that we would have got rid of the word excommunication back then, but uh, yeah, you know, hey, Dave, this just reminds us, as Rusty Nell would tell us. The gospel is still in process of being restored. Mm. You know, just remember that. Um, Now, David, uh, you told me earlier, well, before we talk to God, I think you said we have a direct line to God uh, today where he's going to remind us of what he told Abraham in Genesis. But let's hold that off. Wait, I see he's holding here. Hold on a second. Yeah, Uh, that's the main line to the divine. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's kind of expensive. It's yeah. co- cost me quite a bit, but it's worth it. Well, technology, right? I was able to route right. this through to the to the internet uh, audio. That's pretty cool. One sec, though. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, Peter. Yeah, could could you could you tell uh, God the Father uh, Elohim uh, to to hold on for a second? Yeah, thanks. Okay, all right. So, Dave, before we talk to God, um, how about a little bit of For Your Information? All right, brothers and sisters, we take (laughs) off where we left off, and I'll probably repeat one. It's worth repeating, but it seems like we left off with uh, April 7th, 1889, conference sustains... Wilford Woodruff, as church president with George Q. Cannon and Joseph F. as counselors, they are not set apart or ordained. I did read that two weeks ago. I think it's worth repeating. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty significant. Yeah. June 8th, that same year, Apostle Lorenzo Snow. So? So what? (laughs) Snow. (laughs) His sister, Eliza R. Smith. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, because, yeah, she was married to Joseph, that's right, was a firm believer in the principle of reincarnation. Oh. Claimed to, yeah, claimed to have received it from the prophet Joseph, her husband. Oh, wait a minute. That wait. doesn't make sense, does it, with the whole resurrection bit? Uh, I can't, there's I can't exceptions, have... you know, just like, I don't, the list is too long. So, so I guess yeah. you could be resurrected... Your spirit could enter another body. It's a different kind of resurrection, right? <laughs> yeah. Like last time I came back as a grasshopper. Oh, grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> July 3rd, Apostle. This one's great. John W. Taylor. So not 
not John Ted, John W. Taylor prophesies about the battle. And this is quotes, the uh -huh. battle when the Negroes rise up against their masters, which soon would be the case. Huh. The red man will stalk through the land as the battle axe of the Lord. And after they have done this work, they would be changed to a skin of whiteness oh my, in a day. In oh a my, day. Oh, my God. <laughs> so hold on a second. Three things that... Who is John W. Taylor, by the way? Do we Just know? The, uh, was he apostle, a... So, oh, so he was one of the a, apostles. John, John's son, you know... A, John Taylor's son, maybe. Okay, yeah. so he's an apostle. So he's a prophet, seer, again. prophet, seer, and revelator. Yeah, and he prophesies three things that never happened: the the blacks rising up like in unison, uh, uh -huh. the 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 red man, which uh, you know that's not a racist uh, way to call a Native American, no. Uh, no. rising up, and then after in a day they turn white. All right, in a day. Okay. So there was another guy that was running around in 1970 that said the black man would rise up uh -huh. and cause all kinds of trouble. Charles Manson, does that ring a bell? It does <laughs> ring a bell. That, that yes. was what he taught. Yeah. Uh, it didn't happen. <laughs> you, you know, don't eat the brown acid, man. <laughs> okay. Jesus. October 9th, Salt Lake High Council excommunicates an elder for having local bishop performed unauthorized plural marriage for him four years earlier. It took him four years? <laughs> what the hell? Jesus. Stake authorities had not authorized the marriage because the young woman, the young woman has Negro blood in her veins. Oh. Now, the first counselor says that her father is about one-sixth nigger from his appearance. Oh, oh, from his appearance, yes. From his appearance. No no DNA going on here. Yeah, and let's throw the N-word around, because that's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's that's keep, awesome. I thought we were done with the N-word, but nope, there it is again. No. no. Jesus. The yeah. end of that year. Ugh, December 6th, First Counselor George Q. Cannon says, when he had his endowments in Nauvoo, that he took an oath against the murderers of the prophet Joseph as well as other prophets, and if he had ever met any of those who had taken a hand in the massacre, he would undoubtedly have attempted to avenge the blood of the martyrs. Uh. Cannon then relates how second counselor, Joseph F. Smith, was once about to stab to death a man he suspects of approving of the martyrdom after the fact. So that's the first presidency for you. All righty. Well, at least they were on the right side of that issue, right? Uh, yeah. They were mad about the guys killing the people, I guess. Because that's what Jesus taught, eye for an eye. <laughs> oh wait, wait, that, that was Moses. No, you're oh, you're thinking shit. of the never mind. You're thinking of the dagger in the ribs sermon that Jesus taught. <laughs> yeah, that's the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, George Reynolds. It, we're it, we're in 1890. This is a significant year. I think you know why. Uh, April 5th, George Reynolds is sustained as first convicted felon to become a general authority. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Wait a is. minute. That's all, that's all it says. Are you telling me that the church didn't do background checks back then either? No, they never have. Okay. Well. Okay. <laughs> May 30th, Heber J. Grant also tells the apostles... 
he had never had an inspired dream in his life. <laughs> uh, and it goes on where oh. he contradicts the hell out of himself, but it's it's too long. Too long. Okay. Okay. Let's jump down into August because it's warmer. First presidency and apostles agreed to loan five thousand to the Church of Christ. Uh-huh. Okay, remember they're still in Missouri at the temple lot as mortgage on part on part of their property in Independence, Missouri. So oh, way back then this is when they, they started were, buying stuff from the Church of yes, Christ. Yes, yeah, yes, that's yes. right. Okay. And then they, they erected a couple monuments and things over there. Erection. What? What? what the hell? Okay, okay. Sorry. September 8th, and then we get to the big one. Uh-oh. Apostle John Henry Smith preaches that married people who indulge their passions for other than the purpose to beget children really committed adultery. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this is an apostle. You're kidding me. <laughs> yeah. So if you have sex just for fun with your spouse, that's adultery. Oh, my God. Wow. What the hold on a second. How does that even make sense? Get get even even take away the whole sex for pleasure bit for a minute. It's with your lawfully wedded spouse. How in any way is anything adultery at that point? I don't whatever, man. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Well, hey, look, I gotta say this. I feel badly for his wife. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. All right, back to it. And if you're just having fun for fun's sakes, God's pissed. (laughs) And he's watching you the whole time, by the way. Like, that isn't creepy. Anyway, (laughs) back back to you. Oh, my God. Here it is. Here it is. September 24th, Wilfred Woodruff's manifesto advises all church members to obey anti-polygamy laws. It is not added to the Doctrine and Covenants until 1914. What, what, what? 24 years later. Oh, my God. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So for 24 years, it was just, hey, go ahead and obey this law of the land. The word there is advises. I'm, you know. So let's go a month later, October, well, couple weeks later october 6th general conference votes to sustain wilford woodruff's manifesto and what is the reaction the minority of congregation raises their hands to sustain it oh my gosh some general authorities also declined to vote oh wow oh ouch wow oh i gotta come up with some better doctrine so what a what a divider, right? In the church. Yeah. I mean, you can't blame these people the whole time. You're vehemently telling them. Sometimes I that's the word, like vehemently reminding them, right? This will never be taken away. This is the doctrine of God. And and now and now I bet you a lot of them felt like we were just giving in, right? We're just giving exactly. in to the feds. We're making yeah, wow. Okay. Which is exactly what it was. Oh, yes, it was. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So two more from that year, and then we'll we'll leave 1891 for next week. Okay. <laughs> October 18th, Apostle Abraham H. Cannon writes concerning bribery of federal officials. Quote, officials, 
Thus, with a little money, a channel of communication is kept open between the government offices and the suffering and persecuted church members. Oh, how lovely. We have this little relationship, and all we do is throw money at them, and then we get our way. (laughs) (laughs) David, you're being sacrilegious. I feel feel impressed by the Spirit to warn you that these were Uh prophets, seers, and revelators that you're dissing right now. Okay, I'm back to it. Good thing I installed that <laughs> lightning rod in my property last night. In your Jeez. in your poster posterior what? Posterior rod in your one last. Wait a one. minute. December, what? <laughs> Go December ahead. December second. Another apostle, Lorenzo Snow, tells the Quorum of the Twelve, he expects to see the day when a man's blood will be shed for the crime of adultery. Oh, oh hell yeah! Yeah, let's get, let's get serious. About go Brigham, stuff. go Brigham. Yeah, let's keep Brigham going. Yeah, there's there's three from the next year. I was hoping to get to the end of that year, but we've that we'll save it for next week. Okay. Uh, juicy as always. Holy crap! Yes, uh, for your information, for your fascination, for your uh, what's another word for your regurgitation. <laughs> For your horror, horror. right? Like, (laughs) what the fuck did these guys do? And this is the foundation of, quote, the only really true and living church of God on the face of the world, right? Yeah, history tells us a little bit of a different story, doesn't it? That's interesting. (laughs) All right. Um, That's why we share this stuff, right? It's kind of like a reminder of what uh, folks like Hinckley would have us look upon as, quote, blips (laughs) blips <laughs> or fits of history fit. a fit of history <laughs> let's look, hey it's, that's it's behind us. look it's yeah behind us. look that's behind us you know <laughs> that's only the foundation of this religion but that's behind us <laughs> and, and by the way speaking physiologically what is behind us the our shit. ass oh the our shit yes the sh- yeah. hey Nice little nowsy there, bro. Uh, that's what he was thinking about. What did they think about? All right. So, uh, look, God's been waiting. So let me uh, let me switch over here. Uh, and we are and going and to turn well to uh, well God's book of Genesis. Well, what? that's what God. We want God to repeat those verses that He gave to Abraham, right? About yes. Israel and Abraham and Abraham's covenant and what he's going to bless him with, because that ties along with our topic today. So we asked God if he'd participate and repeat these, and he said, uh, mercifully, he said yes. Yes. So let me switch the line over. Uh, Peter, Peter, are you there? Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, we're ready for uh, the big L. Yeah. E-L, not lesbian. Dude, get your mind out of the gutter. E L the big L Elohim Elohim. Okay, is he ready? Okay, he's getting out of the, the he's getting out of the come. toilet. I didn't think. Wow, that's news. I didn't think God God had he to has do a that. Body of flesh and bones. Oh, dude. that's right. He's well. He's got to be eating to have to do that, doesn't he? Well, I'll have to talk to him later about that. It's fascinating. Okay, here he is. Thanks, Peter. Commentator will say a word first. Oh, okay. and when Abram Abram. Yes. Was 90 years old and nine. The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. 
I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations, nations. <laughs> Have I made thee? God has a lisp. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Uh, never mind. <laughs> and I will... <laughs> I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a god unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. Thank you, Father L. Oh, wow, L, that was so powerful. That's the foundation. And yeah. even in Mormonism, of course, we teach the Old Testament. And then Mr. Addendum Boy, Joseph <laughs> Smith, had a bunch of add ons oh. where he said, no, no, the covenant went back to Noah, Enoch, and even to Father Adam. Well, okay. What we know yeah. and what is taught in Judaism is the covenant pronounced there in the Old Testament book of genesis right so we're, we're gonna talk about the philo-semitic tendencies of the mormon church it's an interesting word i guess it's not just mormons who consider themselves philo-semitic uh, being of the the family seed and blood of israel specifically so we have abraham isaac and jacob Jacob's name being changed to Israel, and then his 12 sons, mm -hmm. the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay. Yes, and we, ta we talked about a little background of this before. We won't get way into, but we will get into other pieces. So just the word, Israel, if you look that up online, it was I think you'll see the original as Y-S-R-A instead of I-S-R-A. It literally translates to something along the lines of struggle with God. And so actually the LDS church has mistranslated that to more like prevail with God, as in when you're with God, you will prevail. And that's not the actual definition. It's more like man's struggle with God. Like uh, anyway, whatever, I'm getting too far into that already. So the point is, um, and, and I think we may have mentioned earlier, there's a huge background conversation, maybe another episode, about the whole birth of Israel, how the, the leading Semitic tribe of the time came in and killed the Canaanites and took the land and all that kind of shit. The point is, in this episode, and this amazes me again, I, I'll probably stop saying this after three or four more times <laughs> that we haven't brought this up before. Guys, this is, if you had to pick one theme that is the ruling, dominant, you know, all-encompassing theme of the Mormon church as far as doctrinal ties, doctrinal mission, it's all about Israel. It's all about the Abrahamic covenant that El was uh, grace, gracious enough to just share with us again. This is what the church is about. It is fascinated with Israel, with, with uh, the Jews, with, with the seed of uh, Joseph and, and Jacob. Um, it is all-encompassing, and it has a direct tie to a ton of the things that are done in the Mormon church. 
And so, in a way, Mormonism looks at itself as the correct Judaism or the modern Judaism, if you if you want to think of it that way. That's hey, you know, the the, the Jews anciently in the Old Testament they were living perfectly the the law of God at, at certain points in time when they were obedient to Him. They had the priesthoods, they had the temple ceremonies, they were doing the same ceremonies back then, which is bullshit. They weren't, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, and now he's restored that, and now we're doing it right. So we are the correct Judaism, right? Which is, they're, hey, yes. they'll they'll come around. Give them give them a couple more millennia. They'll they'll get it right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So patience, man. Yeah. <laughs> so so here's one of the things I wanted to share. Uh, I got on the phone. I've been using the phone directly, Dave, recently uh, to talk to folks. I got on the phone recently with uh, old Rusty Nell. Uh, and, and he was a little perturbed after I kind of, you know, softened him a little about our podcast, you know, why we're doing this. I said, can I share, uh, a talk you gave Russ? Sometimes I just call him Russ or R, big R. Can I share a talk you gave called creatively enough gathering of Israel back in 2006? He said, sure, if you think it'll help teach righteousness and, you know, preach against your terrible podcast or whatever. So I grabbed this snippet with his permission, and I'm going to share some of this to give everybody kind of a synopsis, if you will, of some of the key driving beliefs in Mormon theology, Mormon doctrine about this whole concept, Israel, the gathering of Israel, this covenant with Abraham, stuff like that. So let's listen to a few tidbits from Rusty here. This first tidbit, well, I'll just let the tidbits speak for themselves, and then I'll obviously pause and we'll go on. This first one's about a minute long, so here we go. We share an enormous responsibility to be who the Lord wants us to be and to do what He wants us to do. We are part of a great movement the gathering of scattered Israel. I speak of this doctrine today because of its unique importance in God's eternal plan. Anciently, the Lord blessed Father Abraham with a promise to make his posterity a chosen people. References to this covenant occur throughout the scriptures. Included were promises that the Son of God would come through Abraham's lineage, that certain lands would be inherited, that nations and kindreds of the earth would be blessed through his seed, and more. So there's kind of a background on what... Yep, go ahead, Dave. So the Well, the promise is threefold, mm-hmm. and th- this is important. Land... And especially back in Abraham's day, I think that would be very significant. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Palestine, which that area, Canaan, is more appropriately. Yeah. That's more modern Palestine. But Can- the land of Canaan back then was literally flowing with milk and honey. It wasn't the desert mm, right. wasted plain that it is today. And so the second, posterity, endless seed, because that's important. The bloodline, right? And then... Uh, redemption ultimately through your bloodline so the savior himself born through the house of jesse and david Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. would come and and then offer redemption even posthumously to all of the house of israel 
Yes, and only to the house of Israel. And this is a theme that we're going to touch on uh, off and on through this episode, because that's a key, unique doctrine, and it's more profound than some might think as far as the need to literally have the blood, the DNA of Israel in your veins. And this is how God planned it, according to the hallucinogen or uh, pro- prophetic statements of Joseph Smith. So let, let's listen to, there's like three more clips or four more clips from Rusty here. None of them are as long uh, as that one. Let's, let's listen to him continue for a moment here. While some aspects of that covenant have already been fulfilled, the Book of Mormon teaches that this Abrahamic covenant will be fulfilled only in these latter days. It also emphasizes that we are among the covenant people of the Lord. Ours is the privilege to participate personally in the fulfillment of these promises. What an exciting time to live. Yes, what an exciting time. (laughs) Incidentally, that's the only time I've seen Rusty smile. I'm looking at the video as I play it here. He actually forces this fake, elative, you know, smile when he says whatever. And if if you're 18 or younger... This just came into my mind, sitting through all these meetings with all this language and singing Israel, Israel, God is calling, which I still have most of the words memorized because it was so ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. I I could rip it off right now. I will not torture you with that. (laughs) Uh, uh, Whatever. Go ahead. Let's keep going with this guy. Yeah. So uh, how how is this gathering of Israel important? Let's let's listen to a little tidbit on that. As prophesied by Peter and Paul, all things were to be restored in this dispensation. Therefore, there must come as part of that restoration, the long awaited gathering of scattered Israel. It is a necessary prelude to the second coming of the Lord. So, huge topic in the church. The reason for missionaries is to gather Israel, not to just teach people about the church and Book of Mormon, whatever. The reason they're doing all those things is because they are gathering Israel. That's, That's the mission. Right, impetus, whatever. That's the impetus for for proselyting. Yes, a good time to include where at in the restoration this was made possible. Mm -hmm. Another really cool hallucination here. On April third, eighteen thirty-six, Joseph and uh, who's he with? Oliver are in the temple Mm -hmm. in Kirtland. They see God, well, Jesus, okay, whatever, the same thing, I guess. Jesus, yeah. And after this vision is closed, the heavens were again opened to us, and Moses appeared before us and committed unto us the keys of the gathering of Israel from the four parts of the earth and the leading of the ten tribes of the land of the north. Wait a minute, I thought they were on another planet. No, yeah, they're maybe in, that's what the land of the north means. No, they're in they're in the great white north. They're in Canada. That's where the ten. Okay. Cut, yeah. So there it is. Now, now we have we're in possession of those keys, and so this is why missionary work 
would you call it remember back when the church said that the mission of the church was three-pronged yeah perfect the saints redeem the dead and and proclaim the gospel right was it was yeah so that's interesting that that's the third one because well i don't know if it is that order though it's it's proclaim i think it's proclaim the gospel first yeah uh redeem the dead isn't perfect the saints the third one i don't know i don't remember yes you're right and so that's when we say gather Israel, what we mean is missionary work. That's that's all that this is yes, uh, yes. referring to in modern Mormonism is mm. go gather scattered. They don't even know they're scattered. They don't know they're Israel. But once you they join the church, yeah, yeah, whether by adoption or by bloodline, which there's none of, by the way, none. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll uh, talk about okay. the blood piece. I'm, get, because, I'm getting off that. Yeah, no, the blood the blood piece is is absolutely fascinating, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, it's it's all Israel. It's all Abraham. It's all you know. This is the literal belief in the doctrine of the church, which I don't know if some members even realize the all encompassing nature of it. You only join the church. Uh, I, I mean, except for very few exceptions, and we'll read some quotes here. If you are literally, if you literally have the blood of Abraham in your veins, you will be drawn to the missionaries. You'll be drawn to the church. Yes. Those are the people joining the church. Even if you're, if you don't have the blood in your veins, you have to have it to enter the kingdom of God. It's that literal, folks. We're talking about the blood of Israel, which if you really talked about the depths of this doctrine to a modern-day Israeli, they'd probably be like, what the fuck? Man, you guys are obsessed, right? This is, I mean, thanks, flattery, I guess, but (laughs) that's weird, right? So anyway, a couple more clips from Rusty Nell here uh, that he said that I, I could share. Here we go. The Book of Mormon is central to this work. It declares the doctrine of the gathering. It causes people to learn about Jesus Christ, to believe his gospel, and to join his church. In fact, if there were no Book of Mormon, the promised gathering of Israel would not occur. I had never heard anybody say that before. I don't understand how we made that conclusion. Yeah. I, I, I don't. If there were no Book of Mormon, so a record of God's dealings with people in ancient America who supposedly came out of Jerusalem, therefore Israeli blood, and it, what? I, 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 what I, the I, fuck? I'm with you. I guess his I think point. He's confused. Well, well, that's you know that's a given. Uh, but <laughs> I guess his point. I, I, I wondered the same thing because I had never before or since heard anybody state it that way that the Book of Mormon was that tied to the gathering of Israel. And I, I think one of his points might be like that's the major thrust of the book is to tell the world that they are of Israel, that this is Jesus's gospel, right? That th- this is like. That message is the drive of the gathering of Israel, I guess, maybe, is, is his point. Uh, but the Bible right. talks about the gathering, too, so I don't know why you would need the—I'm with you on that. It's kind of weird, but—so um, here's the last tidbit from Rusty uh, on the seed of Abraham again, and, and how does this relate to Mormon temples? Huge tie again. Here we go. 
Abraham is linked to all members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Lord reaffirmed the Abrahamic covenant in our day through the prophet Joseph Smith. In the temple, we receive our ultimate blessings as the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There you go. Okay. So that's the tide of the temple. So there's this doctrine of, of blessings and covenants with Abraham, and the ultimate, the pinnacle of those that God wants you to receive is in the temple. So that's the temple link, and you can only get them there. So that's the drive, you know, for temples and, and all that kind of stuff. And we know, and we won't talk about it intimately in this episode, we know the whole teaching of the church around why temples, and it's definitely tied way back to the Old Testament. Hey, even Solomon had a temple, and, you know, King David, whatever. Um, and all these ordinances were observed by the Masons who were helping build the temple, who would later become Freemasons, who would later in, introduce those pieces of those covenants into their Freemasonry rituals, which they didn't even realize were actual pieces of the real covenants from God, and all of that is actually historically complete and utter bullshit, <laughs> but that's part of the message of the church. Well, even the Jewish uh, synagogue slash temple, because at first, remember, mm -hmm. in the wilderness, they were they carried around the synagogue and, and built these synagogues. Tents, by right? the way, it's interesting, in the Book of, of Mormon, there's 12 references where the word synagogue is used in the Book of Mormon, which is a Greek word. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> to yeah. describe, you know, the, the whatever. I mean... Well, I think Joseph's jo Joseph excuse was like, Nephi already knew that word or something, right? From Jerusalem. Whatever. I don't know. So the, whatever. the temple... Yeah. Yeah. ordinances, the, the temple rituals, I should say, of the Jewish people, including Solomon's temple and so forth, have nothing in similar in common, I should say, with LDS. Nothing at endowment. all. No. Nothing it was, at it was all. all very vague, very, uh, well, primitive blood sacrifice, burnt sacrifice. It was all, there was nothing at all. And they have... You know, a lot of this is is uh, recorded in you know the the Jewish scriptures. What they did in these temples, they have these records, right? They don't. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so look, the point is again. So you've got missionary work. You've got the the covenants and or the ordinances that are done in the church, all the way even up to the temples that are built. And done. Israel, Israel, Israel. It's all tied to this concept. Uh, so this is the driving force behind the major key doctrines of the church. And Rusty's right when you look at when you read the Book of Mormon, that's what they're preaching there too. Hey, this is all about the covenant, covenant people. Uh, that word is used in the Bible, of course. Uh, Israel is called God's covenant people. Uh, so obvious, right? This this connection here. So Israel was scattered. We know this historically, right? There were 12 tribes. The two, Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, kind of remained. The other 10 were lost, quote-unquote. Uh, they were spread out across all nations. What the church teaches is that was a literal spread across the entire earth. So not just into neighboring states, 
So anciently, what would what would eventually become even areas like the Ukraine and Russia, and 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 we know actually DNA wise that a lot of Jewish peoples, well, Israelites is a more correct term, I think, ended up in a lot of those neighboring states, even very far east and north. And they, during the Zionist movement that Dave talked about, that kind of culminated in 1948, they came back and reformed the nation or the state of Israel, right? Um, And so there are people, they can tie their genealogy, right, back to actual Israeli blood, Israeli families. And if you were to do a DNA test, you would see there's some, you know, Israeli DNA, uh, whatever you want to call that. I'm not a... uh, scientist, um, there's some Semitic marker or whatever, right, that would designate, yep, you're from that area or you're from that race. Well, the church takes this in the extreme definition. And so it is taught, as I said earlier, uh, the people who will be attracted to the church, the people who will listen to the missionaries and join the church, the biggest reason they do that is not because it makes sense or because that you know whatever it's it's literally because they have the blood of Israel in their veins and they're like destined to join the church right which is you have to join the church to be gathered that's that's a big part of the gathering so that's one teaching but that teaching is so literal that they literally teach that when you are baptized and given the gift of the holy ghost when you join the church, if you are a true quote unquote Gentile, as in you have no blood of Israel, DNA, whatever in your blood, hold on your seats. (laughs) Your blood is literally changed when you're given the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is a doctrine that not many members really dug into or understood when, when I was in the church. And so let, let's share a couple quotes here to, to illustrate. Joseph Smith, okay, quote, As the Holy Ghost falls upon one of the literal seed of Abraham, it is a calm and serene, or excuse me, it is calm and serene, and his whole soul and body are only exercised by the pure spirit of intelligence, while the effect of the Holy Ghost upon a Gentile is to, hold on to your seats, purge out the old blood, and make him actually of the seed of Abraham. That man that has none of the blood of Abraham naturally must have a new creation by the Holy Ghost. What? (laughs) Wow. So your blood is literally changed. Okay, okay. Uh, That's how literal this is. Joseph Fielding Smith, quote, Every person who embraces the gospel becomes of the house of Israel. In other words, they become members of the chosen lineage, or Abraham's children through Isaac and Jacob, unto whom the promises were made. The great majority of those who become members of the church are literal descendants of Abraham through Ephraim, son of Joseph. Those who are not literal descendants of Abraham and Israel must become such. And when they are baptized and confirmed, they are grafted into the tree and are entitled to all the rights and privileges as heirs. Well, that makes sense because 
when you die and you leave this mortal existence, you lay down that body of flesh and blood <laughs> and move on as a spirit. So why the necessity for a certain kind of blood <laughs> for you to inherit the kingdom of God? It doesn't uh, even make sense. No. doesn't sound like a very smart God. No, no. Or equitable. Well, Even. well, yeah, and and yeah. How does the, nobody stops? I, I'm glad you went there because that's one of the conundrums in my mind. Like, okay, we could study this whole thing, and, and we'll have a couple other things we talk about before we end the episode here. But at the end of the day, okay, I get what you guys said. I get this whole fascination with Israel, and it goes back to the Old Testament, even, and you know all this stuff. For some reason, you this is how God planned it, but but. When you pause for a moment and you step back, and you're like, "Why? Why would <laughs> in your in your wildest imagination, why would a god even need to do this? Like, what the Be fuck does blood matter in this whole because this, thing? This god's name is not El, and we won't get into it. But his name is Anu." And he is the father <laughs> of the Anunnaki. Yes. How how could a how could a the god that's described in Mormonism be so capricious? Yeah. Wh how how does this even make sense? It doesn't at any level that no. God needs to have a chosen. Oh, but no, you're chosen to spread it to everyone else. So now everyone else gets a chance. Don't you see the beauty of it? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> what an exciting time to be alive. So, hey, here's the irony as well, guys. There's so much irony and bullshit here, but but think of it this way. If God has a chosen people, okay, that's ex exclusivity, right? Just ride with me for a minute here. You're an exclusively chosen single-out people, meaning a singled-out race, right? The Israelites in this case. Uh, you get these blessings. Um, nobody else does. By the way, most of the people you bring into that are also going to have that blood, so we still have that exclusivity. Those rare people who join who are true Gentiles, their blood is changed, right? So that they are now in that family, literally, Wait a minute, if that's most of the earth, which is also the teaching, by the way, most people, because of all this scattering across all the earth and islands and nations, most people have some tiny bit, at least, of the blood of Israel in their veins, is the teaching that goes with this. Mm -hmm. That's what yeah. the Mormon Church says, right? There's very few people living today on the earth, they say, that are quote-unquote true Gentiles, right? That don't have at least some bit that goes back to one of the tribes, okay? So follow that then that means, what does that do to this idea of chosen people? That there is no chosen people. The whole earth is chosen. So it contradicts itself, right? It's like, how do you have a chosen people if everybody really has that blood? You kind of, one well, cancels the other, right? Here, like, here's an answer. Here's a thought. You know, God's yeah. been doing this for so long. Yeah. Even though he had to become a God himself and, you know, sure. you know, and that took a while. <laughs> perfect mortal life among other things uh he's been doing it so long it, he's bored and he's he, now he's just playing games yeah 
hey, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this mind fuck at these guys. Yeah. And yeah. hey, can I I want can I go down there? Can I be part of that? That sounds cool. <laughs> what the, come on, man. It is fucked up, right? And and you know, all sorts of humor ensues when you realize that, you know. All these teachings obviously started in a day and age when there wasn't things around like, uh, you know, DNA testing. And so you can actually perform that now. And crazy enough, guess what you find when you, tuss- when you test a bunch of, of Mormons? No Semitic marker. No, Indo- <laughs> Indo-European is very No Thai. Strong to israelites at all right and so you're like occasion oops <laughs> there's no there's none of what they're talking about scientifically right there is no tie you do have quite honestly many separate races on this world that have no discernible blood linkage to each other uh, and, you know, some, you go, hey, okay, these four or five races over time, you know, they intermarried, whatever, and we can note that by DNA markers, and we can say, wow, your, your ancestry goes back to here, here, and here. Very few people, other than, hello, Israelites, actually go back to Israel. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not real, right, is the point. Israel is not real. Oh! Is not oh pun on words. A uh, couple, couple other weird things, guys, that I'm sure you heard if you were in the church or if you're not. There's this big belief, like like Rusty Nell was saying, this is the time, the fullness of times, the last dispensation, which won't end in apostasy, and it will end in the coming back of Jesus. Even though actual times or time frames have been given that have come and gone, and and poor Jesus had not returned yet. Uh, but he's stuck in uh, Grand Central, like I said in a prior podcast, the damn trains. Anyway, um, so the teaching of the New Jerusalem, <laughs> the New Jerusalem, right? Well, his phone died too. Oh fuck! Yeah, I know. He ca- he called me the other day from a payphone. I'm like, dude, that's a drag. I mean, you're, you're Jesus. Come on. I hope you wiped the phone before you used it. You see him standing on the quarter. Quarters for Jesus. Quarters for Jesus. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, so, so look, the New Jerusalem teaching, crazy teaching. You could do an episode by that itself. But um, before God returns, right? There's supposed to be two Jerusalem's that are built. the The current Jerusalem in Israel will be rebuilt, and the temple will be built there. And then on the Dome of the Rock, by the way, which wouldn't piss off like three major religions in the world or anything. <laughs> And then <laughs> we're going to take this for the Mormon church. Sorry, guys. Yeah, like that wouldn't cause World War III. Um, and then uh, New Jerusalem in America that's built in uh, uh, Missouri. I'm forgetting the name. Of Independence. The, Independence, Missouri, right? And so these are going to be, quote unquote, New Jerusalems. And so that's a big teaching about this Israel concept. Well, and, and yeah. we made a big step toward that back in the 70s, and we built the uh, Jerusalem Center, which is a college with the agreement we would not proselyte among the people. So mostly people from the U.S. would go and attend that college and learn all about Israel, Judaism yeah. Yeah. And, and Israel as a state and, yeah. and customs and 
things like that, which there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But the idea was get the foot in the door yeah. because here's what's coming later. That's right. It's all, it's all a pretense or not pretense. Well, it's, it's also a pretense yeah. because it's not true, yeah. but it's all a preface. Yeah. Whatever to you're right. And then, uh, look at the political connection and fascination. We played a snippet by Orrin Hatch an episode or two ago where he was, he wears a fucking mezuzah around his neck. You know, he had that quote that we shared with you guys, you know, Mormons are, are known to love all people, bullshit, uh, but especially Jewish people. I mean, this fascination, right? And, and uh, politics. If you want a politician who's a fan of the state of Israel, uh, have a Mormon, right? You, you can't be a good Mormon and not be supportive of Israel. And as far as the state of Israel goes, not just the Mormon Church, the United States has very uniquely, I mean, we have the the, the Brits as well, but the United mm. States is the number one companion in bed with Israel. I mean, that's that, right. And that always has been. That's right. And uh, has uh, sent millions, I don't even know, maybe it's billions, probably is billions of dollars of uh, military equipment, aid, so forth. Uh what's that all about yeah and that you know that's just the u.s and and you hype you hyper focus that when you take the mormon segment of the u.s right it's then it's hyper focused Mm -hmm. and because of not only the same kind of things uh that the u.s is doing but heap on top of that all this religious doctrinal stuff we've been talking about um, so, so I just yeah. thought of something very ironic. I'll make this as quick as I can. So the church will not stop talking about how it suffered and has been cast out of several places, Kirtland, uh, you know, Missouri and, 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 and Ohio and again and again. Well, I already said Kirtland uh, just and, and persecuted and pushed into Salt Lake and and all of the trouble and travail they went through. But Israel did the same thing to the Palestinians mm, when they became right. a state. That's right. That's and right. it's yeah. still going on. The Palestinian-Israeli war is not millions of years old or even thousands. It basically started somewhat after the end of World War II when the Brits left, the Ottoman Empire fell, yep. and then the, the British rule, and then the Brits left in, in uh, 46, 47, they became a state in 48 and they started pushing boundaries around. They mm. turned it over to the UN and it, it was a complete fucking disaster for the Palestinians. Oh, yeah. But we love the Israelis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That yeah, makes sense. Interesting shit. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, so this is it guys. Like this is this, uh, the, the Israel nation fascination, how integral that is to the church. And I go back to what we've said several times, why even focus on this topic? Why even, you know, go through this? In my mind, the first reason really is it's another example of the completely fabricated bullshit mindfuck, you know, that the member, that the, the doctrine and the, and the church places over its members, right? It's this romantic, a fantasy idea, right? That you're literally Israelite, you know, you're 
God's chosen people and all this stuff. And, and the church tries to legitimize things, even like the temple ceremonies and things, because these go way back. You know, these weren't really created by Joseph. They were just restored through him. They go way back to the Temple of Solomon. And, and people literally believe that shit. Uh, and it's part of the, the mindfuck of, of what's taught in the church. So. Well, in parting, I want to share a final thought. Yes. Heaven shalom aleichem. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, yeah. ble- bless you, by the way. Bless um, you, my beloved blood brother. <laughs> yes, because blood is all that matters, David. David, the name of a great Israelite king. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it doesn't go to my head at all, by the way. No. And Michael, and, and Michael who is after the image of God. <laughs> yes. Mikael. In the image of God. Yes. That uh, I talk with El sometimes about that. I'm like, dude, that doesn't upset you, does it? Like, that's not sacrilege to say I'm in your image. He's like, no, nah, dude, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Me and King David, we rap all the time. No kidding, man. Oh, yeah. good, man. Yeah. Or how's Bathsheba doing, by the way? Is she? Ooh, dude. Yeah. Woo! How, she, how does she maintain that <laughs> figure? <laughs> hey, we got a new bathhouse, so things are looking up. Oh, yeah. I'm sure many things are looking up. Yes. <laughs> All right. We're, we're descending again. Yes, we are. Love you guys as always. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Right, Dave? Bye-bye. Bye.